The talk you're about to listen to is a presentation of Penn State Crew. To find out more about Penn State Crew or to find more talks, music, and videos, check out PennStateCrew.org. Thanks, guys. I'll stay over here. What's up, guys? My name is Natalie, and I'm here tonight with the traveling team, like they said. And real quick, I just want to explain who we are and then what tonight's going to look like. And so if you haven't heard of us, that's okay. I barely know what I do. Um, the traveling team, we are a team that travels across the country, speaking to college campus meetings just like this and so this is like week six for us on the road meeting like 22 or something meeting four of this week and so we absolutely love what we do and we're honored to be here with you all tonight and so what tonight is going to look like and so and tonight we were hoping man to help you guys rethink the way you guys view your bible the way you guys view missions and the way you guys view your lives and so tonight um in a second dylan's going to come up here he's going to run us through the entire bible gender rev it's going to be awesome and then after the meeting tonight we're going to be doing a part two to our talk and so the part two is so important because it helps you process how you guys can practically live out this talk in your lives right now and then for the rest of your lives and so that part two takes like 20 minutes, and if you're a planner, I'd love for you to just go ahead and plan on staying right now. If you're not a planner, don't worry about it. We'll talk later. Um, but yeah, that's just kind of what tonight is going to look like. Part one, part two is going to be amazing. If you want to help me welcome up Dylan, we'll get this party started. Hey, what's up, everybody? How we doing? Good, good deal. Man, I need some, can I, can I get one of those for later? Not butterscotch, please. Uh, the mystery, the mystery. Got to keep it wild. So yeah. Hey, what's up? My name, my name is Dylan. Uh, like Natalie said, uh, we are the traveling team. We're super pumped to be here tonight to hang out with you guys. And uh, a little bit about me. My, yeah, my name is Dylan. Uh, my friends call me Dale, so you can call me Dale if you want to. And uh, also, I'm from Illinois. So anyone ever been to Illinois before? What's up? Seriously, come on. That's awesome. Well, I'm super pumped to be here at Penn State because I'm from Illinois, and I'm excited to be anywhere but there. So uh, it's, it's great. It's great. And I feel like we're getting the full Penn, Penn State experience. Like, uh, we went to uh, Sower's Harvest today. Like, you guys been there? It's, it's, it's literally the best burger I've ever had in my life is there. So feeling like a local. And, and Rothbrock Coffee, too. So, man, it's, it's good stuff. But, uh, yeah, so we're super pumped to be here. And... Um, like I said, I'm from Illinois, and basically, growing up in the, in the Midwest, growing up in, in cornfields, man, I had like a bucket list of things that I wanted to do, like with my life. I wanted to do this, go places, do this, do that, and I think for a lot of us, like we probably have bucket list things that we want to do. Things like maybe it's, maybe it's graduate college, or, or get a good GPA, even though like C's get degrees or whatever, but uh, get a good GPA, uh, maybe like get married, have kids, maybe go on a date in the first place, like that's a good place to start. Uh, I mean, we, have, we have a bucket list of things that we want to do, but for me, at the top of the bucket list was to go out to the West Coast, to go to California. I wanted to go to California so bad. And so a couple years ago, I had the opportunity to do that, went out to California, SoCal, first thing I did with my friends was go to the beach. And I remember walking uh, through the sand to, to go to the water and start swimming, and, and I walked past all these, like, warning signs for rip currents, and even the, the lifeguards are, are warning us while we're swimming out in the ocean, like, be careful, and they're, they're even calling for us to come in, and we're just so oblivious that we're just like, oh, hey, nice day, right? Just have no idea what's going on. And so I never thought that, like, I would be the one that gets caught in a rip current, so uh, just a couple minutes after that, I'm the one that's caught in a rip current, and I, I mean, I... In all seriousness, this is one of the scariest moments of my entire life because I know two things about the ocean. 
One, it's big. <laughs> it's very big. And two, sharks. Like, I've seen, I've seen Jaws. I've seen Shark Week. Like, I don't want to be the inspiration for Jaws 5 or something like that. Like, I am, I'm not about that life. And so I, I remember I'm, I'm caught in this rip current, and I'm thinking to myself, like, I did swim team growing up. Like, I know how to swim, butterfly, backstroke, breaststroke, free. Like, I know it, and I'll just, I'll just swim right back into shore. But the thing was is that I swam so hard to get back into safety, to get back into land, but it didn't do anything. It didn't do anything. And in fact, I just, get, I just kept getting pulled farther and farther and farther out away from the shore. And I had nothing to stand on. I had nothing. I didn't even know which direction I needed to swim to get out of this rip current. And that was until, I mean, I'm stuck, and I'm stuck out here, and I don't know where to go. I don't know what to do, but I remember some advice that a friend had given me a couple years before. And he told me this. He said, Dylan, if you're ever caught in a rip current, you can't swim against it. You can't swim against it, but you have to swim out of it. You have to swim sideways. And so I didn't even know which direction was sideways. I didn't even know which direction I had to swim until I looked at something that was consistent. So I looked at something that was unchanging, and that was the shore. And once I saw that, even though I was getting pulled farther and farther out into the ocean, and once, once I saw the shore, I knew exactly which direction I had to swim. I had to swim sideways. I had to swim one direction or the other. And, and once I saw that, I knew exactly where I had to go. And I think what's true of the current of the ocean is true of the current of the world as well. Because maybe you've never get, got caught in a rip current before, but I know what the rip current of the world feels like, and I know that you guys do too. Because that rip current of the world can be made up of our family and our friends and the American dream and our culture and getting a good GPA and social media. And all of these things can be pulling us farther and farther from God's purpose for our life, and we may not even know it. And we may not even know that we're caught in the current of the world. And so how do we know how to get out of it? Like, how do we even know if we're caught in it in the first place, and then how do we know to get out of it? Because the last thing that we want, the last thing that we want is to come before Jesus at the end of our lives and find out that we were lost at sea the whole time. That's the last thing that we want. Like, how many, how many of you guys want to live a life that matters? Sweet, like, a couple of us. That's awesome. Like, I mean, I think that we want to live a life that matters. And so how do we get out of the rip current of the world? Well, we have to set our eyes on something that's consistent, and that's God's word. We have to set our eyes on something that's unchanging, and that's his mission throughout all of scripture. And once we set our eyes on that, once we set our eyes on something that's consistent and unchanging, we know exactly how to get out of the current of the world and align our lives with something that matters, something that's bigger than just ourselves. So that's what we're going to talk about tonight. We're going to talk about the mission of God from, from the beginning to the end, from Genesis to Revelation, see what God is up to so that we can align our lives to be a part of something that matters. Does that sound good to you guys? Sound good? So wait, I want you to like buckle in. I'm like your flight attendant. Like buckle in. This is about to get, tur- yeah, I like that. I like that. It's about to get turbulent, guys. Okay, I'm, gonna start, I'm just going to start in Genesis. In the very beginning, we, like I think that we probably know this, like God creates all things, and very specifically, he creates Adam and Eve. He creates mankind. And the very first command that he gives them is Genesis 128, where God says, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. And just a couple chapters later in Genesis 3, Adam and Eve sin. And the world gets so bad after that that God just floods the entire earth, like starts over, hits the reset button, floods the whole earth, and starts over again with Noah and his family. And as Noah and his family are getting off the ark, they hear this from God. Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. It's Genesis 128 repeated again to Noah. So what what is God saying here? What What does this mean When God is is telling his people to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth, God wants to see a world full of worshipers, a world full of people who know him, who who are in a relationship with him. 
Like, that's God's desire. But even after the flood, just a couple chapters later, Genesis 11, mankind is doing the exact opposite. In fact, they're, they're creating a tower for themselves, trying to be like God. And so in response to that, God spreads out the nations, creates languages. And so we know that God wants to see a world full of worshipers, but what do we have? We have a world full of people who don't know God and who don't love him. And so if Genesis 128 is true and God wants to see a world full of worshipers, what is God going to do about it? How is he going to fix this problem? Like, what's the solution that he's going to set forth to fix this? That's what we have in, in Genesis 12. Like, one of the most foundational passages in all of Scripture is Genesis 12, where God looks down to Abraham, and he says this to him. Suspense is building. There it is. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your people and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. So basically, God looks down on Abraham and he says, bro, I'm going to hook you up. Like, I'm going to bless you like crazy. But it's not just for you. Like, this continues in verse 3 and he says, I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all nations on earth shall be blessed. So God is blessing Abraham here. He's blessing him. And, like, he's just telling him to leave his, like, tiny little town. And if he does that, he'll go, and God will bless him like crazy. But it's not just for himself. Like, it's not just for Abraham. It's not just for his family. But it's for all nations on earth. It's for all nations on earth. So God wants to see a world full of worshipers. How is it going to happen? He's going to bless his people to be a blessing to reach all nations on earth. And Abraham is just the start of that of God blessing his people to be a blessing, to reach all nations on earth. And it continues in Abraham's son, Isaac. It says this, I will multiply your descendants as the stars of heaven, and in your offspring all nations on earth shall be blessed. And to Abraham's grandson, Jacob, your descendants will, shall be like the dust of the earth, and in you and your offspring all the peoples of the earth shall be blessed. So Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, all nations, all peoples, all nations. God's making his purpose clear. He wants to reach all nations with the knowledge of himself. He wants to be in a relationship with all people across all nations. But like, frankly, like I look at these verses and I think of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and they're like super dead. So what, is, what does this mean for me? Like, what does this mean for our lives in 2018? How is this relevant? Well, it's because God's mission doesn't just stop in Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob of reaching all nations, but this continues into all of our favorite Bible stories, into all of the verses that we know. I mean, this, this mission continues throughout the rest of the Bible. And so I'm just going to keep on moving. And David and Goliath, like how many, give me your hands. How many know this story? David and Goliath. Sweet, like most of us. Okay, so the story of David and Goliath, like love it, short dude, tall dude, awesome headshot. Like we, we know this story, like if Penn State's bad at football and they, and they beat someone, like it's a great, it's a great David and Goliath story, you know, like... <laughs> Jeez, I'm sorry. Um, David and Goliath, we know this story. I'm sorry, too close to home. Uh, so, like, we know the story. It's, it's, it's a great story of, of talking about how, like, what a, what a man of faith that David is. It's so, it's so easy for us to, like, make this story about David. Like, oh, he's so faithful to, like, go and defeat this giant. Or, like, we even make it about, about, the, about the Goliath, about the giant. Like, if God's on our side, he'll slay any giant for us. But the thing is with this story is that we're the ones that make it about David. Like, we're the ones that make it about Goliath. Because David is going out to defeat Goliath, and he yells this in his face. He says this, This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands, Goliath, and I will strike you down, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Like, David's going out to defeat Goliath, and he knows that it's not about himself. 
He knows that it's not about the Israelites, the Philistines. He knows it's not about Goliath. He knows that it's about God's name being made known among the entire earth. And like, I proved that to be true because you guys just all raised your hands and knew that story. Because God is still using this story thousands of years later, thousands of miles away to make his name known among all people. And we can continue. And look at the Psalms. Like, this is, this is the poetry of the Bible. Like, this is probably one of the most famous verses in, like, modern Christianity today because it's painted on every single mug and every single canvas and every, like, we know this verse really well. Like, be still. Oh, yeah, that's so good. That's so good. Just gotta sit still. Be still. And that's true. Like, we live crazy busy lives. Like, we need to rest and know who God is. But the funny thing is about this verse is that it doesn't just end with, with three dots. <laughs> Like, it doesn't have some poetic ending of, like, be still and know that I am God, God, God. Like, it continues on. It continues on. And in fact, like, if we look at how this verse should be cited, it should be Psalm 4610a, which means that there's a second half to this verse. So what's so bad about part B that we just cut it off? And in fact, don't even know what it is. Like, what's so bad about it that, that we just don't even want to know what it is? Be still and know that I am God. And Thou shalt not eat tacos on Tuesday or something. Like, what could be so bad about it that we, we just totally cut it off? Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. I mean, so often when, when I'm caught in the current of the world, when we're caught in the current of the world, we like to separate God's blessings from the responsibility. We like to separate, like, yeah, God, like, I'll sit still, I'll, I'll rest and know that who you are, but it's not just for me. It's so that your name is made known among all nations and in the entire earth. Amen, we need to rest in God's promises, but it's not just for us. And this is a great next example of that in Psalm 67. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us. Why does he do that? Like, th that's a great thing, but why? So that your way may be done on earth, your saving power among all nations. Again, God has blessed us to be a blessing. And this, this continues on. And one of my favorite Bible stories, I abbreviated Rakshak and Benny, like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Like, I love this story. It's one of my favorite Old Testament stories because in it, like, maybe the, maybe the details are a little fuzzy, so I'll just, I'll just make it real brief for you. So, Rakshak and Benny, living in ancient Babylon, and there's this crazy king. Crazy king, his name is Nebuchadnezzar, and this dude's, like, pretty psycho. So psycho that he creates a giant idol and he commands everyone in Babylon to bow down and worship it. And Rakshak and Benny are like, no, no, no thank you. Like, I'll pass. I'll pass on that. And so the response to that, Nebuchadnezzar throws them into a furnace. Throws them into a furnace. Can you imagine if that's what life was like today? Like, you get a parking ticket on campus, and it's like three hours in the furnace. <laughs> that's like, that's the response. Is, or whatever. Like, can you imagine if that's what life was like? Man, just get tossed in a furnace for disobeying. But this is, this is what life is like in, in Babylon. And so Rakshak and Benny are thrown into a furnace by Nebuchadnezzar. And the crazy thing is, is that they, they don't die. And, and they just start just walking around in there. And, and Nebuchadnezzar hasn't seen this before. Like, he's had pretty good experience at this, and, and this hasn't happened. And so he's like, well, we'll just maybe like 450 on high. We'll let him roast a little bit longer. Like, and so he lets him just stay in there for a little bit longer, and all of a sudden a fourth guy shows up. So they're not dying, they're multiplying. And he, he's like, all right, I got to talk to these dudes. I got to talk to them. So he pulls him out. He pulls him out, and he has a little conversation with him. And this is Nebuchadnezzar's response. He says this. Nebuchadnezzar answered and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So catch this. 
Nebuchadnezzar just threw these three guys into a furnace because they're worshiping this God. And now he's worshiping that one true God, which is pretty incredible. But he continues on. And okay, I said he's, he's kind of crazy, a little psycho. Like, he's still working on some stuff in his life, so give him some grace. But read this. Okay. Therefore, I make a decree. Any people, nation, or language that speaks anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be torn limb from limb, and their houses laid in ruins, for there is no other God who is able to rescue in this way. Torn limb from limb, yeah, like, sorry. Like, but he's still working on some stuff. But look at, look at his heart. Like, look, look at this. This pagan, idol-worshiping king who's throwing people in furnaces over worshiping other gods is now worshiping the one true God, and he's saying that any people, nation, or language has to also worship this God. Like, God is pushing his mission forward so passionately, so, like, aggressively, that he's using idol-worshiping kings to make it happen. That's amazing. And God's mission continues in in the prophets. Habakkuk says, For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. And then in Malachi, For from the rising of the sun to its setting, my name will be great among the nations. For my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord. It's just story after story and verse after verse. Like God is pushing his mission forward. And, And I don't know if like maybe you've heard the term missions before, maybe you haven't, but I always just thought like missions is like a New Testament, it's a it's a Jesus thing, that's great for like the super spiritual or something like that, but this is, a, this is a God thing. Like This is what he's been doing from Genesis to Malachi. We haven't even reached the New Testament yet. And like, I'm, I miss this for, for 21 years of my life. I miss this. And it took someone walking up to me and showing me like, look what God is doing throughout all of scripture. See how he has a heart for all nations. And like ever since then, it's, it's been a journey for me. And, and, and frankly, it reminds me a lot of the journey that I've had with coffee. I love coffee. Anyone else like coffee? Yes, come on. Give me, yes. I love coffee. Like, we went to Rothrock, love that place. So I really enjoy drinking coffee, and I started drinking coffee uh, my, my freshman year of college. And so I lived in a house. I, I went to Illinois State University. Lived, it's, 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 in, it's in a town called Normal, Illinois, which is hilarious. Pretty much describes my college experience. And so in Normal, I grew, I, I just love coffee. I, I lived in a house called the Dude Ranch, me and seven other guys. We love drinking our coffee. And so much so that every morning we would make a hot pot of Folger's coffee. And I thought that Folger's coffee was like the best thing in the world. <laughs> Thank you. Like, I don't know, maybe some of you are coffee connoisseurs, maybe not, but like Folger's is, is pretty bad. Uh, and, but I'm drinking this and I'm loving it. And I had a friend come up to me uh, like a year after that and he, and he introduces Starbucks to me for the first time. And after that, I'm like, oh, Starbucks, it's the best. I'm downloading the app. I'm getting free drinks on my birthday, free refills. I just don't think it can get any better than Starbucks. Like, it can't, it can't get any better. But I had another friend come up to me a year after that, and he said, he said this, Dylan, there is a time and there is a place for Starbucks coffee, and that is never and in the trash. And so I threw my Starbucks coffee away, man. I, I got rid of that stuff. And, and this friend, he gave me the good stuff. He gave me like third wave coffee, cold brew, V60 pour over, like the good stuff. And, and after that, like the game changed. The game changed because I, I'm downloading Yelp for the, like I'm downloading Yelp and now I'm, I'm Yelp elite. And like people are looking at my reviews and my pictures and, and anything under four and a half stars is just like no longer going to cut it anymore. Like we got to have the good stuff. We got to have the good stuff. And so once I got a taste for the good stuff, like, I no longer had a taste for Folgers and for Starbucks. I no longer had a taste for the bad stuff. And and frankly, like, I don't care what kind of coffee you drink. Like, it's totally up to you. But but this is my hope and my prayer, that that once you get a taste for the good stuff, once we get a taste for the good stuff, we no longer have a taste for the bad stuff. 
Like once we see what God is doing throughout the entire world among all people, the good stuff that we no longer have a taste for what the current of the world offers. We only want what God's offering us. And, and like I said, this isn't just an Old Testament thing. This is a New Testament thing as well. And so I like to refer to, to one, of my, um, one of my favorite biblical theologians. His name is Chance the Rapper. And he says, he says the book don't end with Malachi. And the book, like, the book don't end with Malachi. Jesus' mission continues on in the New Testament. And like, we can look at the way that Jesus lived his life. Like he's, he's reaching out to all people, all nations with the kingdom. But perhaps one of the best places to see God's heart for the nations is in one of the most famous verses in all of Scripture. And that's this, John 3.16 says this, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. And I think that this is one of the, the most well-known verses in all of scripture, because within it is the good news of the gospel. Like within it is, is the fact that we were separated from God because of our sin, and deserving his wrath because of that. But in his grace and in his love, he sends his son Jesus to live the perfect life, the life that we never could have lived, to die on a cross, to take our punishment, our shame, to pay for that, and then to rise again three days later so that we can put our faith and our hope and our trust in him, and Jesus' perfection becomes ours so that we can be restored into a relationship with God. And, like, I heard that a lot. Like, I, I grew up going to church. I heard that a lot, and I was taught to really, like, understand that, to really get it. Like, I hope that that should never grow old to us. Like, no matter how old we are, no matter how long we've been following Jesus, like, that truth is so good. But I was taught to really understand it, to really get it. I needed to put my name in where it says the world. So I, I was taught to say, say for, for God so loved Dylan that he gave his only son. And, and praise God that's true. Like, God loves us individually. He loves each and every one of us individually. But that's just how I lived my life for a really long time. Like, it's just me and Jesus. It's just me and Jesus. And as God blessed me, those blessings stopped with me. Because I didn't see how he had a heart for the entire earth. And I had to take my name back out and replace it with the world. Because thank God that Jesus died for me individually. He died for you individually. But you die for the whole earth as well. And we cannot forget that. And, and so Jesus, he's, he's in a grave for two days. He rises on the third. And, he, and he's walking around on earth for 40 days. And, and in those 40 days, we get what, it, what is termed the, the Great Commission. Matthew 28, 19. It says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. But it sounds very similar to Mark. Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. And in Luke, repentance and forgiveness of sin should be proclaimed in his name to all nations. And in John, as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And in Acts, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. I just thought that the Great Commission was just one verse at the end of Matthew. I thought that it was just like Matthew 28, and, and we're supposed to go and make disciples or whatever, but... Um, you know, I think that Jesus doesn't just give Matthew 28. Instead, he gives, like, five commissions. And I think that's because he knows our hearts. He knows our hearts. And he knows that if the Great Commission was just one verse at the end of Matthew, that we would tend to make that an option to be considered rather than a command to be obeyed. But he makes it so clear, like five times clear. This is not an option, but this is what we do as followers of Jesus. This is what we do. And I think that Acts 1-8 is one of my favorites out of these five because in Acts 1-9, Jesus levitates off the ground and, and like 
dabs on his disciples or something like that. And then, he, and then he's gone. He's gone. Like Acts 1-9, he's gone. And so these are the last words that, dis- that Jesus leaves his disciples. And I think he did that like knowing that. It wasn't just like he's, he's leaving. Oh, oh, I forgot this. Go, go and make disciples. No, he wanted these words to be ringing in his disciples' ears as he left. So that they would take this and they would be his witnesses to the ends of the earth. And they do. Like, they do that. They are, they, the disciples lay down their lives for the sake of the gospel, and we are proof of that. Like, we're proof of that. Being in this room, following Jesus, like, we're proof that the disciples took that very seriously. So praise God for that. That's so good. That's so good. And, and Paul, he continues, and, and he makes it, he says in Romans 15 that it's his, his purpose, his, like, life ambition to go and preach the gospel where Jesus is not known. And then he, he says this in Galatians 3. He says this, And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. So this is really good news for us as followers of Jesus in 2018 because this means that if we believe in John 3.16, if we're following Jesus, then we're a part of Abraham's promise. Like thousands of years ago, the promise that God gave to Abraham that he is going to bless him to be a blessing to reach all nations, we're a part of that family business that he started so long ago. Now we're freed up to live, up, to live for something bigger than ourselves. We can live for the, the mission that God is on, and we're heirs of that promise. We're part of the family business. And this reminds me a lot of the family business that my grandpa started back home many years ago. And, and that family business is, is a small little business called Walmart. I'm just joking. That's not true. That's not true. <laughs> no, totally joking. Totally joking. It is a tiny grocery store that you've never heard of before. But, like, if you're in Illinois sometime, like, let's hang out. It's great. It's a great place. But it's called Dave's Supermarket. Super small. You've never heard of it. But at Dave's, at the supermarket, like, I grew up working here all the time. It was like weekends and holidays and summers, like I'm working at the family business, and I remember seeing my dad in, in the produce department, my, my cousins in dairy, and like, man, it's a whole family affair, a whole family affair of, of my, like my entire family working at the grocery store, and it's just, it's just like what we did. Like, I didn't have to think about why I did it, like why would I have the motivation to do that? Well, it was obvious, like it brought my grandpa, my family, so much honor to be a part of the family business, but like not even that, like it brought so much joy and it brought so much purpose to my life to be a part of that. And, and the same thing is true for us as followers of Jesus. Like, we don't have to ask why we make disciples of all nations. It's just what we do. Like, it's a part of our identity as disciples. Like, we go and make disciples of all nations. We don't ask why. It's just who we are as part of the family business. And not only that, like, joining God in his mission is the best thing that we could do for our lives. Like, this is, we want to know the will of God for our lives. This is it. Like, this is it. This is what God is about. Therefore, we should be about it as well. And, and looking back at the time that I worked at the grocery store, like, I don't, the only reason why I'm, I'm not working there today is because my heavenly father's family business is so much greater than my earthly grandfather's family business. Like, what God is doing is so much better and so much greater, and he's inviting us to play a part in this. And when I would work there all the time, holidays, like, super busy times at the grocery store, we would hire extra people to come work because the need was so great. Like, all hands were needed on deck because there were so many people that were shopping at the grocery store. And I want to show you a place in the world where all hands are needed on deck because the need is so great. That place is the 1040 window. 
And maybe some of you have heard the 1040 window, maybe some of you haven't, but I'm going to give you just a brief summary of what the 1040 is, the 1040 window is, where it's at. So it's named this because it stretches from 10 degrees above the equator to 40 degrees above the equator from West Africa, past through the Middle East, India, Southeast China, Southeast Asia, China, Japan. In this box, in this box, here's some t- statistics you can remember. <clears throat> there are 5 billion people. Five billion people that live in this box, they call this box home. That's about two-thirds of the world's population. And out of those five billion people, three billion of them are considered unreached. They're considered unreached. So someone who's unreached is different from someone who's unsaved. Someone who's unsaved, like there's, there's unsaved people all over Penn State's campus. Like there's someone who's not following Jesus. And, and that's a problem. Like we can't be okay with that reality. But someone who's unreached, like three billion people in this box considered unreached, not only are they someone who's not following Jesus, but they couldn't even if they wanted to. They couldn't even if they wanted to, because there is little or no access to the gospel. Like, there's no Bible in their language that they can read. There's not a Christian who can walk up to them and share the gospel with them. There's not even a church that they can attend and hear the gospel. So the reality for three billion people in this box is that they are going to be born— They're going to live their entire lives, and they're going to die without ever hearing the gospel that we talk about in this room every week. That's a a problem. That's a problem. And I think that, like, as followers of Jesus, like, we shouldn't be okay with that, that that's the reality of the world today. In fact, it, it kind of ticks me off a little bit. Like, how can a place like that still exist in the world And I think that it's because, like, I have to look to myself. Like, I think we have to look to ourselves. It's like so often we have limits to our obedience. Like God, like I'll, I'll come to I'll come to a crew meeting on on a Thursday night, or like I'll go to church on sun on Sunday morning, but like other than that, God, like I've got my own plans for my life. I've got my own plans. I got my own things that I want to do, and we live with limits to our obedience because I think that we're caught in the current of the world. This is what God's heart is beating for: the ten forty window, seeing His name known, glorified among all people. I think that our heartbeat should be for the same thing. We live with limits to our obedience. What would it look like for us to not live with limits? But if God says to go to the 1040 window, then we do it. Or if he says to send people to the 1040 window, then we do it. We join God in his mission. But here's the good news, is that God is too faithful and God is too good to have the 1040 window be the final picture. Like He's too good for that. But it is still a problem because it's the reality of the world today. And so what can we do about it? As followers of Jesus in in America, like what can we do in response to this? Well, Paul gives us some pretty practical steps. He says this in Romans 10. And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone going and preaching to them? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? So Paul talks about two options in light of unreached people, in light of the 1040 window. We can go and we can send. And so like Natalie said when she introduced me, she said that we're going to have a part one and a part two. And so this is the part one, welcome. The, the part two is, is happening after this. And we're going to talk more about how we can go and how we can send. And we're going to talk more about how we can go here. Like there's international students, a lot of them, on Penn State's campus from the 1040 window. How we can reach them with the gospel. How we can go there with crew and share the gospel in the 1040 window. And how we can send, send it by praying and by giving. And that's awesome. Like, this is how we join God in his mission. Practical next steps of how we do that. And maybe the, the next step that you can take is go to the part two. That might be the most practical thing that you can do. And I would encourage all of us to stick around. 
and, and go to that because it's a, it's a great thing. And like I said, God's too good and God is too faithful to have the 1040 window be the final picture because this is the final picture. Revelation 7, 9. After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. Heaven, heaven's going to be one big multicultural worship, worship service to Jesus, and I cannot wait for that. I can't wait for that to happen. Like, it's not going to be a bunch of Americans singing Hillsong or something like that. Like, it's going to be, it's going to be so much better than that because every tribe, tongue, and nation is there worshiping Jesus. And like, this is a promise that we can take to the bank. Like, we see Genesis 128. This is God's heart. He wants to see a world full of worshipers, and this is it. Like, it's going to happen. This is a promise that's going to happen. But I think that the thing that we have to think about is, is are we going to be a part of it? Are we going to be a part of it? Because the current of the world is really strong. And it's really easy to have a, a taste for the bad stuff. And it's, it's so easy to, to not join God in his family business. But he's inviting us to play a part of it. And it's going to get done, like, without our help. Like, God can do it on his own. But he has ordained us as, as followers of Jesus, as the church, to use his people, to use his sons and daughters to reach the nations with the gospel. And so, like, do you want to go join God in that? Like, do you want to be a part of that? I want to give you an opportunity tonight to respond and say yes to God. And so what I want you to do is, is pull out this blue card that you should have got as you were walking in the room tonight. And so I want you to pull it out and, and take a look at it. I'm going to explain it. And, and like I said, I want to give you the opportunity to join God in his mission tonight. And so in a minute, I'm going to ask people who want to join God to raise this card above their heads and to commit to that. But I know that commitments are really scary, and so I'm going to explain it a little bit more. And I know that we're all, like, overcommitted. So this is a big deal, though. Like, it, it is, a, is a worthy commitment. It's a big deal, but it is a worthy commitment. So I'm going to explain it. Uh, take a look on the, on the dark side of this card. It has pretty much all of the verses that I walked through tonight. Uh, we can get you one, too. Um, it has all of the verses that I walked through tonight and even some extra ones. And this is a resource for you. This is a resource for you to walk through in your personal time with God, maybe even walk through with a fellow believer, like who doesn't know about God's mission. Like this is a great resource to make that happen and to walk through that with him. But I want to turn the card around and look on the, the white half of this card. And I'm going to explain what this commitment means. Uh, it says this, I commit myself to obeying Christ and declaring his salvation to the unreached world by serving as either a cross-cultural goer and or a sacrificial sender. And so like I said, I'm going to have people who, who want to commit to this tonight to raise this card above their head in a minute. But like, what, is, what does this commitment actually mean? Like, does it mean that I'm going to book my one-way ticket to Ooga Booga Land tomorrow or something? No, it doesn't mean that. Does it mean that I'm going to give a million dollars to missions? No, it doesn't mean that. Does it mean that I'm going to commit to full-time ministry for the rest of my life? Like, no, it doesn't mean that. I mean, I'm not going to stop you from that. But this, this commitment means that God, like, I, I'm sick of the bad stuff. <laughs> Like, I want to get out of the current of the world. God, I want to join you in your family business. And that's going to look different for each and every one of us. That's going to look different for all of us. But, I want, God, I want to say yes to you tonight. And, like, we're not, commit, we're, we're not collecting these cards tonight. Like, this is a commitment between you and God. But if you want to join God in his mission and say yes to him tonight, I'm going to have all of us close our eyes, bow our heads. I'm going to close out and pray, but I'm going to have everyone close their eyes, bow our heads. And if you want to join God in his mission tonight and say yes to him and say yes to getting out of the current of the world, will you take this card and will you raise it above your head right now? Will you raise it above your head? And I'm going to pray for us to close out. 
God, you are a faithful God. You are a good God, a loving Father, and we just praise you and thank you for inviting us to be a part of your mission. God, that you would invite us to, to join you, God, in reaching the nations with the gospel, Lord. So I pray that you will use us here at Penn State to be goers and senders. God, maybe we never leave Pennsylvania, or maybe we go to China for the rest of our lives, God. Will you use us for your glory and for your kingdom, God? Thank you for who you are and just the gospel we have, that what a treasure that is. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. The talk you have just listened to is a presentation of Penn State Crew. Crew is a community where the gospel captures hearts, transforms lives, and launches men and women into a lifelong adventure with Jesus Christ. To find out more about Penn State Crew or to find more talks, music, and videos, check out PennStateCrew.org. That's PennStateCRU.org. This talk is licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivative Works 3.0 United States license. You are free to copy and distribute this talk to others as long as you do not do it for commercial purposes or alter, transform, or build upon this talk in any way.